Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Welcome your hosts, Byron White and Amanda Smith. Welcome to the show, everybody. We're happy to have you on board today. Unfortunately, my co-host, Amanda, is without a voice. Her voice is gone. So it's me and only me and a fabulous guest that uh, we set up today, Dr. Barry Sears. Welcome, Dr. Sears. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we're 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 honored to have you on the show. You're you're the you're a best-selling author uh, of a, of a book that everyone should read if they haven't called the Zone. <laughs> we all want to get in the zone, so we'd like to learn a little bit more about that book. But you also have a new book out called Toxic Fat. Fat. Um, which is a nice pairing of words there, I might add, <laughs> um, since we all want to get rid of both fat and anything toxic. Tell us about the new book and tell us a little bit about the story of your of your career. Well, the new book is basically, a, it could be probably subtitled, If You're Fat, It's Not Your Fault. <clears throat> and, and that's basically what, you know, people have come to believe that if people are overweight or even obese, basically they lack willpower. They're basically morally inferior, just eat less, exercise more. But it turns out it's far more complex. What causes obesity and what maintains obesity is basically this toxic fat, not toxic fat that's on your body, but the toxic fat that's flowing through your bloodstream. And this type of fat is really causing inflammation. That's the underlying cause of obesity and all the conditions we associate with it, the diabetes, the heart disease, the cancer, the Alzheimer's. So... Help me understand the overall concept of dieting in general before we dive into the, the, the incredible problem of obesity and how obesity is really growing at an alarming pace. Talk with me about dieting. I mean, are you one to believe that you need an equal uh, balance of cardiovascular activity you know, with what you eat in your diet? Are you a believer in both of those two radical philosophies? Well, I'll say yes and no. If your goal is weight loss, uh, physical activity will probably have no impact on your weight loss. Well, that's basically contrary to what everyone says, except the experts. The experts say, I just came back from the National Obesity Meetings in Phoenix, and the world's expert in exercises, exercise will not help you lose weight one iota. Now, will exercise help you maintain your weight after you've lost it? Yes, it will. So, again, we have to look at weight loss and weight maintenance as two different things. Many people have lost hundreds of pounds, if not thousands. But that's easy. Keeping the weight off, that's the hard part. Now we come back to the definition of the word dieting. The word diet comes from the Greek root, which means way of life. Now, we've bastardized that to think of dieting as a short-term period of hunger and deprivation to try to get in a swimsuit. What you're trying to do is find a way of life, a diet, that can basically keep inflammation under control, and when you couple that with consistent, moderate exercise, you now have a proven way of basically maintaining weight, uh, weight maintenance, but the key thing is maintaining wellness, and that's the whole key. And a part of this, our whole aspect of this uh, obesity epidemic, uh, we've lost sight that many obese people are actually quite healthy, 
and many lean people are not that healthy at all. So sometimes looks can be very deceiving. Mm. All right, so stay with me on this concept. I need to challenge you on this. That's my nature. Um, So I want you to tell me why um, uh, people that are on their feet all day, uh, you know, carpenters, construction workers, uh, people that are constantly moving, their flow is, is, is their, their, the blood is moving throughout their body. Why, in general, are they, uh, do, do they seem to have less problems with, with weight than people that are sitting at their desk and not getting any exercise throughout the day, including walking or moving around, and are strapped to a chair typically six to eight hours a day? Isn't there something to that? You know, I know you're telling me that, okay, maybe the one-hour exercise thing may or may not have an impact. The one, you know, the 20-minute the cardiovascular workout, I could, I could maybe live with that as a concept, <clears throat> but although I'm going to still challenge you, challenge you on that as well, but don't you think that blood flow and movement and activity is, is, is an important part of the overall health and well-being? Oh, no, no question. You, that was not the question that's being asked. Now, okay. I agree with you. There are many great things to exercise, and that is, one, it'll help you live longer. You reduce the likelihood of diabetes and heart disease. Mm-hmm. Two, you'll improve your cardiovascular endurance and your strength to help you basically you know, manage your life more effectively as you age. Three, you feel real good about yourself. And four, you hang around people who basically are also feeling good about themselves. They're nice people. These are all the great benefits of exercise. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at exercise to help you lose weight, that's not going to be one of the benefits of all the other great things that exercise do to improve our quality of life. Got it. Okay. So I, so I can still exercise and move Oh, you have to. If, if you don't exercise, your, your quality of life will not nearly be as good as it could be. Okay. Let's talk about dieting now. Dive us into some of the core principles behind toxic fat and and really what you're trying to get people to understand about themselves and their body and how it relates to diet. Well, as the the core aspect of, you know, know, toxic fat and diet behind it is basically keeping your hormones in a zone that's not too high but not too low. Uh, One of those hormones is called the hormone called insulin. Now, why is that important? About 75% of the population is genetically predisposed to gain weight. That doesn't say they will, but they just have the genetic predeposition. They have what I call a fat trap, a genetic fat trap that can be activated by high levels of insulin. And for those individuals who are basically consuming a diet uh, rich in refined carbohydrates, what they'll do is the calories get into the mouth, no question about that, but they get trapped in the adipose tissue. And as a consequence, they can't be released to make the chemical energy that requires the body, the body requires to move around and survive. And so you ask a lot of overweight people, they'll tell you they're constantly hungry. They say, well, you've got to be a liar because, look, you're fat. How can, you, how can you be hungry if you're that fat? Because they are constantly hungry, and if they don't consume more calories, and hopefully some of the calories you know, slop over into making chemical energy, they'll basically have to grind to a halt. So that those people who are genetically predisposed, they're caught in a, in a, uh, between a rock and a hard place, that their genes are now out of sync with basically of, you know, our current diet. And our current diet really started to change in the mid-'70s when basically there was a push, what I call this perfect nutritional storm, to increase the production of refined carbohydrates and vegetable oils. 
Now, neither one by themselves is that dangerous. But when you combine them together, because the vegetable oils are rich in omega-6 fatty acids, you combine them together, you now cause inflammation mediated by one fatty acid. Basically, it's called arachidonic acid, but for the sake of the audience, we'll just call it toxic fat. And now when you have toxic fat, basically that's the underlying cause of the development of chronic disease. And if that toxic fat is high in the bloodstream, it's also high in your brain. And why is that important? Because now people who have high levels of toxic fat basically have basically constantly hungry due to another increase in a hormone that causes basically a virtually uncontrolled appetite. So that now let's go back to the analogy of the person who's constantly moving around. Uh, it's not that they're moving around that keeps them thin. It's that they're not snacking as much. If you're sitting at a desk and you're constantly hungry, you can snack you know, eight hours a day very easily. Let's make an assumption that I have a, a problem and you've pegged me, you've diagnosed me, that's me, <laughs> which it might be, by the way, um, but we'll stay hypothetical just in case. And, you know, I, I'm just hungry all the time. I have a weight problem. I'm killing myself to try to exercise three times a week. It's painful for me, but I do it anyway. So what do I do about all of this? Well, you have to find out, again, I go back to my opening statement. If you're fat, it's not your fault. So first of all, don't beat up on yourself. The second thing, say, what's the cause of this weight gain? It says, basically, my hormones are out of sync. So what I have to do is basically now realign my hormones. And how do I do that? Basically, two things you can do. And because I have to realign them to reduce the inflammation that's driving this fat accumulation. One, I have to balance my plate. How do I do that? Well, it's pretty easy. If you have one hand and one eye, you divide your plate into three equal sections. On one-third of the plate... On each meal, you put some low-fat protein that's no bigger or thicker than the palm of your hand. The other two-thirds of the plate, you fill it full of carbohydrates, which are rich in color. What are those? Fruits and vegetables. And you really basically go real easy on the grains and starches. And finally, you add some monounsaturated fat. This is the heart-healthy monounsaturated fat, like olive oil, slivered almonds, or guacamole. What you've created now is a drug that will keep those hormones in the zone that is the only known drug in the medical science that can reduce the levels of toxic fat. Now, if that's too hard to do, then you have one last thing you can do, and that is to try to dilute out the levels of toxic fat in the blood. And how do you do that? By taking lots of fish oil. And so basically, if you're genetically predisposed... You have basically dietary tools at your discretion, if you choose to use them, that can keep those genes from expressing themselves. If you don't, basically you're going to see what's happening across America, that you get an explosion of obesity and all the diseases that come with it. Hmm. <clears throat> Do you really feel confident that such a balanced formula could literally end uh, the problems of obesity and you know, start causing immediate weight loss and, and get people on track just through well, dietary changes alone. Exactly. That, that's why you do clinical trials, to ask that question. And in every, in every published clinical trial where you've treated uh, humans like lab rats, basically you control all the food they eat, when they eat that type of balance, what do you find? They basically they lower their levels of insulin more effectively. They basically have less appetite. Their blood sugar is lowered their blood lipids are lowered, their fat loss is greater, and basically they have far less inflammation. 
that last study coming from Harvard Medical School. How much less inflammation? About nine times less. And this is why the, uh, the newest uh, dietary recommendations from the Joslin Research Center at Harvard Medical School for treating obesity and type 2 diabetes are basically exactly those I gave you. Now, how does a person put this in action? Well, I said if you had one hand and one eye, you can probably do it. But think one, two, three. For every one gram of fat I consume, I want to consume two grams of protein and three grams of carbohydrate. Well, you can see there, it's not a high-fat diet. It's not a low-fat diet. It's not a high-carbohydrate diet. It's, not, it's a balanced diet because that's how our genes have evolved over the last 100 million years with the foods we've been consuming. It's only the last 30 years that we have basically caused such a change in our diet that our genes can no longer basically interact with that new dietary environment. Hmm. This is really good information. Let's take a break in a second, and when we come back, I'd like you to talk me through some sample diets of actual things that you think can work for a diet so our listeners and myself, on behalf of my wife <laughs> and Amanda, who's probably listening in as well, we can actually be left with some concrete things to, to try out and see if we can stick to a nice formula. We'll be back in just one minute, everybody. Back with, back with Dr. Barry Sears in just a couple minutes. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. How do you choose the right affiliate network to partner with? The answer is simple. MarketHealth.com, where health and wealth connect. Established in 1998 and formerly known as Joe Bucks, the MarketHealth.com affiliate network allows you to market and promote the world's leading health and beauty offers on the net. Start making recurring income and the highest payouts in our industry. Choose from over 50 of the hottest selling offers, ranging from herbal supplements, skincare, vitamins, beauty products, weight loss, and much more. Sign up for free at MarketHealth.com and start making money today. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan from the Daily Searchcast. You know, we love bringing you the news every day, and that's made possible by the sponsorship of BruceClay.com, which just made Inc. Magazine's list of the fastest-growing private businesses. They've exhibited and sponsored at my conferences from the very beginning. Bruce has got that long-standing search engine relationship chart, had been out there with the code of ethics, been a search engine expert in the field for ages. But did you know that Bruce Clay can do more than help you with just SEO? They can do PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding. Everything you need for success in the online marketplace, you can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years, offices worldwide, they've got answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. Bruce Clay Incorporated. Okay, so you're telling me that if I put the Go Currency Converter on my site, all my international customers can see how much they're paying in their own currency? Yeah. GoCurrency.com has free currency converters, language translations, international clocks, everything you need to do international business. So how does it work? Conversion elves. Conversion elves? Yeah, watch. Want to know what this will cost in euros? Check this out. Listen up, elves. We got one. $34 US. I need that in euros. Now, people. <laughs> We got it. Put it up there, elves. Wow. Currency elves. Who knew? GoCurrency.com. Free currency converters, language translations, and more. GoCurrency.com. Hey, have you got the number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. Well, what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, MSN, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business. 
business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. WebmasterRadio.fm is now on Facebook, MySpace, and Twitter. Get out your spray paint and put your graffiti on our wall. Get all the details on the WebmasterRadio.fm homepage. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Dr. Barry Sears. Thank you so much for being on the show today. We've got uh, actually uh, uh, a question came in from uh, the producer of WebmasterRadio.fm, and uh, I wanted to ask it to see what thoughts you had. The question was about myths by other professionals and even other diets that you might want to comment on and even myths in the industry, you know, serving food in smaller plates. Are there myths that just drive you crazy that are really untrue and and, and are leading people in the wrong direction? Well, I I think probably the the biggest myth is basically all we have to do to uh, uh, solve our obesity crisis is to eat less and exercise more. And that turns out to be a very large myth, uh, and basically it's, yet it's ingrained because people want to believe calories in equals calories out, and it's a lot more complex than that. Let me give you an example of, you know, of mice that can be made genetically obese. The little mice look like basketballs after a little while. Well, you can make them you know, eat less and exercise more, and they will lose weight. But then when you do an autopsy, what do you find? They're still very, very fat, and most of the weight loss has come from basically cannibalization of their muscles and their organs. And you wonder why people basically basically say diets fail, because unless you overcome that hormonally induced fat trap, eating less and exercise more will cause you to basically cannibalize your own tissue, which, unless you're Karen Carpenter, this makes no sense. So, 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 we, ha- so we have a lot, and that's why people are always looking for magic bullets or basically boogeymen who are the cause of the problem. Is either too much fat, uh, you know, that'd be the low, uh, say we saw that by eating low-fat diets, or too much carbohydrate, eat the Atkins diet. Well, it turns out our bodies are built upon basically balance and homeostasis. You need a balance, but you have to eat smaller meals, and that can only be done if you're simply not hungry between meals, and that's not a matter of willpower. That's a matter of hormonal control in the brain, which can be undone by high levels of toxic fat in the brain. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Tell me, what, what's your take on, say, some of the diet um, full-blown plans like Jenny Craig, where you actually buy food and plates and microwave the food? What, what's your take on that type of a diet? Well, it's, it's probably one that probably is not sustainable because the Jenny Craig diet is based on basically controlling portions, but uh, because it's you know it's but portions rich in carbohydrates. So even though you're reducing the portions, basically you're still now not affecting that fat trap. So you're always hungry. Ask anybody who's on Weight Watchers, you know, who are counting you know Weight Watchers points. They're always hungry, and the response is get used to it. Well, no one wants to be hungry, especially if you're surrounded by carbohydrates or food in general. So I think that uh, you have to basically find a system, and here's how you do it. Eat a meal, and then look at your watch four to six hours later. If you're not hungry after that meal, whatever you ate at that meal was hormonally correct for your body. Now, if you're hungry for you know, you know, four or six hours, basically it's the wrong meal. Let's use an example. I eat a big bowl of pasta at 12 o'clock. 
what happens by 2 o'clock? You're falling asleep. Was that meal hormonally correct for you? No. So you keep adjusting it, adjusting protein, carbohydrate, and fat until you find the right balance to say, each time I eat a meal, I'm simply not hungry for the next four or six hours, and I'm maintaining peak mental acuity because I'm stabilizing blood sugar levels. So this is a very easy way to fine-tune your diet, but basically if you do that, you're going to find it's going to end up pretty close to being one, two, three. The... You know, um, before we get to the menu con- uh, questions I have, which I'm very excited to get to, I just want to focus on this this portion concept because you had originally described to us, you know, one third, you know, about the size of my hand, you know, low carb, low fat protein, you know, two thirds, you know, carb. You were describing to me a very proportional, a very you know mechanical process of eating a, eat a certain amount of this all the time at certain portions. Doesn't that conflict with what you just said about the Jenny Craig though, which is a very proportion centric sort of model? Well, no. Can I adjust my eating based upon how hungry I am, or how well, does your no, model no, work? The, the Jenny Craig model is one that basically eating lots of carbohydrates, and so that's going to raise the hormone insulin, and that's going to make you hungry all the time. I see what if you're saying. Okay. So yeah. if you're basically, now if you can eat that one, two, three bounce, one, you won't eat as much because you'll now cause new hormonal signals to go to the brain to say stop eating, and basically you're not hungry between meals. If you're not hungry, cutting back in calories is pretty simple. If you're always hungry, it's tough. Yeah. What's your take on drinking, you know, three to five quarts of water a day to try to quench your... Does that clear out the, the trapped hormonal problems inside of you? No, that... but, no but, but it's not a bad strategy. A good rule of thumb is how much water you need. Take your weight and divide it by two and try to drink that number of ounces of water per day. Now, why is that important? Your cells are about 65% water. And if they're hydrated, then they work more efficiently to convert dietary you know, calories into chemical energy that makes the body run. If they're not hydrated, they won't be very efficient, so you'll have to eat more calories to be able to make the chemical energy you need to survive. So it's a very, very simple way. Not to, It's not about filling up the stomach. It's just keeping the cells hydrated enough so they can function most effectively. What's your take on the amount of energy required to digest food and how that figures in your diet? And I'll give you an example of that just so we can chime in. So if I'm eating, say, a, a brisket that was cooked for 12 hours and is incredibly soft, um, you know, versus um, some undercooked lamb, which is very hard and, and choppy, there's less energy required in my body to process the brisket, right? And, and isn't Not that a good thing with regards the, to dieting? The, 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 the brisket would be easier to uh, digest. Uh, and of course, it's going to taste a lot better than the undercooked lamb. So you probably won't be eating too much of that in the first place. Uh, but a lot of the energy is to really basically, con- you know, to not either break down what we see as protein into individual amino acids, but then to reassemble them and convert them into chemical energy. And that, that turns out about 10% of the calories you consume on a daily basis is using that breaking down of uh, materials in the, in, the, in the gut so they can be absorbed and then basically reassembled for use in the body. So that, um, you know, again, food, if food doesn't taste good, nobody's going to eat it. Uh, so you have to say, this is why, you know, you 
learned how to, that's why Americans have lost the skill to cook, because that makes any type of food taste better. Unfortunately, uh, that's, as that skill has eroded, we're basically now having eating more processed foods because we've lost the ability to take regular foods and make them taste in of better. And that's why we have processed foods. And in the process, uh, obviously processed foods are no processed. No intended. But, <laughs> but, but they're broken down. So now the carbohydrates enter the bloodstream at a much faster rate, and that causes the increase of insulin. This is why I like to eat, have people eat lots of vegetables. Remember your grandmother said, you can't leave the table until you eat all your vegetables. She didn't say you can't leave the table until you eat all your rolls or all your mashed potatoes. It's your vegetables. Why? Because they enter the bloodstream more slowly than does of a potato. In fact, a potato enters the bloodstream as sugar faster than table sugar. And so basically a lot of things that we thought were true turn out to be not so true when you do the scientific studies. Speed of the bloodstream. Now let's talk about sugar and, 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 and hydration for a minute. I know um, quite a few people that clearly have you know, problems with obesity, and they will drink you know, 5, 10, 15 Diet Cokes a day. They'll just drink soda and Coke throughout the day. I mean... What's wrong with that? What are they doing to their bodies? Well, they think they're doing a smart job. I'm drinking you know, Diet Coke. That's better than taking Coke Classic, which is true, except the artificial sweetener is interacting with receptors in your tongue and is sending signals down to the pancreas, hey, the guy's drinking sugar, release the insulin. And so what happens, insulin's released in the bloodstream, even though there's no sugar behind it, and it drives down blood sugar levels, so you tend to overeat at the next meal. So what they're, they're, they're thinking correctly, but basically the, the execution leaves a lot to be desired, and that's why studies are shown conclusively the more diet drinks you consume, the more weight you gain. It's not that diet drinks cause weight gain, but what diet drinks do is cause basically hormonal false signals that basically make you more hungry at the next and uh, at the succeeding meals. Fascinating. Let's take another extreme. Um, healthy woman, you know, works out, minimally goes on walks an hour or two a day, um, you know, tries to, you know, eat uh, three square meals a day, but just is depressed and complains, I can't lose weight. I can't seem anything, I can't seem to do anything to lose weight. What's wrong with that picture? Because I think that well, fits perfectly with your whole, your whole new book. Well, remember we said that that, weight, that exercise by itself will not cause yep. weight loss. Yep. Yep. And so she's you know, working real hard, but basically her diet is basically undermining it. Now, she's thinking she's eating a good diet. But if that diet is rich in, let's say, vegetable oils, which are ubiquitous in America, mm-hmm. and rich in a more refined carbohydrates, not just junk foods, but things like bread, pasta, and that's even whole wheat bread then basically what she's doing is basically building up levels of toxic fat, and that's keeping her fat in spite of her exercise. And more importantly, basically, if she's fat and she's inflamed, basically she's going to live a shorter life. And this is why that, you know, one of the more interesting data has come out from the Centers for Disease Control is saying overweight people actually live longer than normal weight people. They say, well, how can this be? Well, it turns that overweight people, uh, oftentimes, if they're not inflamed, basically will live longer than somebody who's normal weight and is inflamed. And how can you tell? 
Well, you can't. Uh, not the classic inflammation that hurts, but this is what I call silent inflammation, again, mediated by this toxic fat. You can't feel it. It's below the perception of pain, but it basically drives the more rapid development of chronic disease. Now, you, you can basically measure this by a blood test, as you can measure cholesterol, but in my book, I give some subjective indicators that basically if you answer yes to more than three of those questions, you probably have high levels of silent inflammation, and this is a book you have to read to basically reverse the levels of toxic fat already in your bloodstream. Hmm. I want your take on the actual concept of fat itself um, as related to surgical procedures, liposuction, you know, uh, surgical procedures, shrinking of, of the stomach, some dangerous surgical procedures. What's your take on, you know, with so much pressure, particularly, you know, to anyone, on women or anybody in today's society, I mean, they, they want to reduce, they, they, they view their fat as like, this is on me, I want it off me. You know, the, the, the problem is get it off me, right? What do I have to do? How can I alter myself? What's your take on liposuction? Well, uh, well in, in many ways, they, they should view that fat maybe as a potential, a, a survival, a basically a survival mechanism. It can be a great toxic waste dump to take a lot of toxins, including toxic fat, and keep it out of the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. Now, to take it off, it's saying, why have they resorted to that? Because their diet hasn't worked. I say, first of all, basically reanalyze the diet and basically see, are you basically creating the inflammation that's causing the fat? Now, in terms of, let's say, take the most extreme case, gastric bypass surgery. Mm-hmm. But right now, this is the number one treatment for diabetes. It's a miracle drug. It's, a, it's a, a pathetic statement. It's just the best we can offer our diabetic patients in America is gastric bypass surgery, the first time you've cut out normal tissue in the history of man. But why would it work? It turns out once you basically do that surgery, you change the levels in the gut almost instantaneously. And what happens as soon as a patient wakes up out of the surgery, for the first time, they are not hungry their entire life. No willpower. They have not lost any weight but they have no hunger because the surgery has altered basically hormonal uh, outputs in the gut that go right to the brain saying, stop eating. Let's, let's focus in on that for one second, this, 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 this opportunity to alter the desire to, to, to eat, right? We talked about diet as a way to alter that crave. Are there other ways that, that are out there to, to alter that? Oh, of course. Distractions or well, no. habits? Actually, they're, or... they're called drugs. The two most successful weight loss drugs in the history of America were amphetamines mm-hmm. and fenfen. Now, both were kind of dangerous. Mm-hmm. But, but, but what they did, they stopped hunger. Now, probably one of the best ways to basically uh, stop hunger or basically not, not have it you know, overwhelm you, is you know, constantly being doing something that basically you're focused on. It's a sense of awareness. Mm-hmm. You know, when you basically don't have awareness, of, you know, your mind wonders, and you have this kind of unconscious you know, kind of, you know, foraging for food because you're not focusing on a task. Mm-hmm. So one of the best things to basically help, basically from a psychological aspect, to help this is really develop a sense of awareness. But what's America's going in the opposite direction? We now worship multitasking, and multitasking leads to unconscious eating. Hmm. Fascinating. Let's talk about menus. Um, 
as I multitask here and write some notes while I'm listening to you and also look over at my screen on the time and <laughs> I can see what you're saying. In other words, tell, let, let, let's walk through some menus. I'd like for the, I'd love if possible for you to, I'm a, I'm a cook. I'm sure there are listeners on that, that, that love to cook and cook great meals. Give us some sample. What, what are, what are some wonderful meals that you would recommend? You know, do I need to, you know, knock, knock out the, uh, you know, shiitake mushroom sauce and the, you know, we have Thanksgiving coming up, you know, tell us a little bit about some, some menus, well, well, everyday well, menus. Uh, well, you know, let, let me you describe some, the portions uh, to us, but some real menus. What, 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 I'll, I'll give you some broad sweeps. Here's the easiest way. Go to the most expensive French restaurant in your town mm-hmm. and eat there at, uh, for every dinner. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you get for $50 in a French restaurant? Not much. What you get is a piece of protein no bigger than the palm of your hand, surrounded by a mass of beautifully done vegetables, a small side salad to cleanse the palate, a glass of wine the body treats like carbohydrate, and the you know one of the primary uh, French desserts, fresh berries. Perfect meal. A little expensive, but it works. Now let's take let's take Thanksgiving. You know everybody basically has uh, that coming up. So what you basically you've got the low fat protein there. It's called uh, turkey. So you put about, you know, some turkey on your plate. And now, basically, what are you going to find on the table? You're going to find a lot of mashed potatoes. You're going to find a lot of stuffing and uh, a lot of gravy. But you also find string beans. Grandma's, you know, string bean casserole. So, basically, you fill the plate up, two-thirds of the plate with string beans. You have the turkey, and everybody else has fallen asleep two hours later, and you're basically the only one watching TV. <laughs> Sounds unlikely that any might follow that format, but it's a great example. So, in your opinion, you can overload the vegetables. You know, it's impossible fill yourself to over- up, if you will, and and still quench the the concept of quote eating a lot and feeling like you've had a full plate full of food, and and you think that will quench the 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 hunger. Well, again, let me give you an example. Two two items that have exactly the same amount of carbohydrates. Uh, one would be a, a cup of pasta, mm. and the other is 12 cups of broccoli. Mm-hmm. Same amount of carbohydrate, but basically different densities. Mm-hmm. So basically, and, and also different rates of entry into the bloodstream. You're playing a hormonal game. Mm-hmm. And so basically, as long as you know how to play the game of panache, and so he knows how to cook vegetables, which is really an art form, uh, then basically say, I got it. Uh, just like Grandma told me, if I basically eat small meals, have lots of vegetables, a little protein, and take my fish oil, basically I've got a recipe now to lose weight, but to live a longer and better life. Let's talk about the fish oil for a minute. Describe to me how I'm going to use more fish oil in my diet. Am I going to literally buy fish oil in a bottle and sprinkle it on my food, or how are you using it? Well, again, the more fish oil you get in the diet, because it contains omega-3 fats, which are high enough levels, are very powerful anti-inflammatory agents, then basically you're knocking down the inflammation induced by your diet, and as a consequence, you basically now slow down the aging process. And that's not a bad trade-off. Right. But, but again, the, the more pro-inflammatory the diet is, the more fish oil you need, and at some point it just becomes too much. Let's talk about fish for a second. You know, are you a fan of colder water fish versus warmer water fish? You know, what's your take on mercury in fish? How much fish do you drink, would you recommend having in the course of a week? Well, I, I basically, the cold water fish are always better because, one, they'll have high, much higher levels of the omega-3 fatty acids. 
As far as contaminants, you can run, but you can't hide. There's no fish in the world today that's not contaminated with things we've thrown in the environment in the last two generations. You know, the mercury, the PCBs, the dachshunds, they're all there. So, you know, the option is basically, you know, eat uh, a lot of fish like the Japanese do, but their levels of these toxins are near the upper limits set by the World Health Organization, or to use purified fish oil, a way of basically saying, this, if I take only one supplement in my entire life, that would be the supplement. And basically taking enough that I keep the levels of inflammation under control. And whether it be if you're concerned about heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, this is your number one ticket because all of those diseases are driven by inflammation, inflammation that can be reduced by taking adequate levels of fish oil, and especially when you're following an anti-inflammatory diet. That is a diet that basically I just described of a lot of colorful carbohydrates, and uh, basically breads and uh, grains don't fall in that category, and adequate small amounts of low-fat protein at every meal. So if you do that and take enough fish oil, basically you've got the keys to the kingdom for basically, yes, basically long-term weight maintenance, but the most important thing, long-term wellness. Wow. Well, this has been quite a show here. It's really been a pleasure to have you on it. I, I know that their listeners are probably filled with lots of notes and lots of ideas, and we really appreciate you taking the time to be on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. And if, if we're viewers like to, or listeners like to get more information about the book, I've got a little book site that I go to. It's called ToxicFatTheBook.com. ToxicFatTheBook.com. Well, by gosh, you can count me into a visit on that and hopefully hundreds of others. We, we wish you the best of luck. This is fantastic scientific data that you've given to us here as well as wonderful insights on how to truly make our life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. So thank you again. Until next week, everyone, appreciate you being here, Dr. Barry Sears. My pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Pleasure again, and we'll look forward to everyone tuning in next week. Thanks for another great show of listening in. We'll see you next week, everyone. Thanks. Thanks.